Lord, we thank you today for words from heaven that change earth. Words from heaven that change earth. Open up your word to us. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ just come to this room. Father, without you, we, we literally can know, know, we cannot know anything, but thank you that you've chosen to reveal yourself. So whatever you have preordained to reveal yourself to us, reveal yourself to us. And we declare our dependence upon you. Thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here. Thank you that this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus, the righteous judge, is wielding a righteous gavel in America and causing righteousness and justice to flourish. We declare that evil and corruption and Every evil work that has tried to stop the prophetic purpose over God's people and over this nation will not flourish in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that this is a time of great exposing. You're not only exposing your people, but you're exposing things that are evil in high places. We thank you for speaking to us, adjusting us. We thank you that this is a season of harvest, this is a season of hope, and this is a season of comfort. Thank you, Lord, that you're releasing grace for us to not grow weary and well-doing. The Lord says to his people that this is a season to not lose focus. This is also a season, the Lord says, to not look back. This is a season to keep your eyes on the mark of the high calling and the high prize. For indeed, the, the kingdoms of this world will continue to shake and evil reports will continue to come. But the Lord would say to his people that this would be a time of an open heaven and a time of breakthrough, a time of advancement and a time of overcoming. I've already preordained it. I've already preplanned it. I've already caused it to happen in the unseen realm. So it will be my people's responsibility to position themselves properly to hear and to declare and to obey. The Lord says, quick obedience is the will of God for my people in this season. The Lord says to his people, wavering between two opinions, now is not the time to waver between two opinions because I'm delivering my people of dead religious works and I want to cause my people to stand on a firm foundation. For there is an earthquake happening in the United States of America an earthquake underneath the ground. The crack and the shifting and the plates that have been moving have actually been caused by the saints who have been faithfully praying. And so now the Lord would say there is going to be a distinguishing between righteousness and evil even in my house. The Lord says, I'm, I, I've, man, I've seen this probably three times over the last number of weeks. I see Jesus with a mop and he's cleaning his house of evil work of the elevation and love of man, of unrighteousness. And the Lord says the gavel of righteous judgment is coming down upon the church in America, and I'm, gonna, I'm doing it for the purpose of pure and holy religion being restored to my house. And the Lord says you'll, you'll begin to see uh, even what some considered large entities begin to fall in this next season 
because they were, they were never birthed from the purpose of God, and I gave them time to adjust, but the Lord says that this will be a season where an apostolic company of people who love me, love people, and love the voice of God will advance as never before, and I'm carrying a great harvest from heaven for the purposes of God. So the Lord would say, it's not time to waver between two opinions. For there's a delivering grace for those who have struggled. And if you struggle with with deep-seated things and generational things, there is a grace to be set free and a grace to walk in freedom. But the Lord would say, it's not time to hold things in darkness. It's time to put things, all things in light. Because this is a season of things being exposed and bring it out in the light so that freedom and kindness may come your way. And this is a season of of my people to step into grace, grace to do, grace to be, and grace to represent me in a unique way. For know that this is a unique and unprecedented time for my people in the earth. For that which is about to take place and is taking place, in this nation, has never taken place, but my people will be represented as an overcoming people. And the Lord would say, know this, that it is not my people that are confused, it is the enemy that's confused. That's why you see much chaos, but in the midst of chaos, know that I saw this season before the earth, and I've already created a place for my people to act and to overcome as never before. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Hebrews. Lord, we just received your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We'll start in verse 6. I'm going to talk about, uh, at least in this first service, the subject of faith. It's going to be a little challenging because faith, you can go a lot of different ways. But I I felt like the Lord wanted us to look at the anatomy of faith. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. How many uh, think that faith is probably pretty important? If without without faith, you can't please God. So pretty important subject in the kingdom of God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's the first principle that's really important, and it's a core value that I carry with me, and it relates to everything in God and everything that he would ask of his people. Everything that God requires of humanity, he first gives to them as a gift. Everything that God requires of humanity, and in Genesis 1, when he released the blessing, which was the first words he ever spoke to man, what he was declaring is, I release unto you the power that is on me, I release unto you to to operate exactly in the way that I have created you to operate. That's what the blessing is. And uh, man was not created to take care of himself. Man was created the most, when man was functioning properly, the number one thing that he did was to trust God for everything that he needed. That, That was the way God created every person in this room to operate, and that is to trust God. 
And so everything that God has asked of you, here's the thing, here, here's the, the, the thing though that God cannot do for humanity. He cannot make you agree with him and to choose to trust him. There's sometimes this thought, and, I, and, I, and I'm thankful that we are, at least in my experience, we are eliminating this from the people of God, is that sometimes there's this thought, and there's a little bit of truth to it, but the majority of the time, it won't be true in your life, that if God somehow has a reality for me, it'll just come to me. If Joseph had done that, he would have never changed the nation. There must be an agreement with what God has said about you, what God has prepared for you. You cannot get saved unless you agree with God. So every other part of the kingdom of God that he's made available to you is exactly like that. Something can be true, but unless you come into agreement with that truth, it won't be true in your life. In fact, that's the foundation of biblical faith. Biblical faith, and this is really important for our culture, biblical faith is not intellectual agreement. There's people that can say, yeah, I believe Jesus uh, lived on the earth. I believe he walked on the earth. I believe he was a great prophet. I even believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he died, he resurrected, and I believe that he is in heaven. But they, they, can, they can claim to believe that that is a reality, but they never put their faith in that reality. Faith takes you out of yourself and into God and makes you in, in, and brings you into complete dependence on God. Where How do you know that you're actually trusting God for something? You're basing your whole life on it. That's the only way you know you have biblical faith. I'm basing my whole life on this truth. So that everything that God requires of humanity first gives as a gift. And he gives it to you as a gift because he makes us in his image because we are not little gods, but we are created to act like God on the earth. The way the, way the, Lord, the Lord often will give me examples from my own life, and it's how Jesus taught even when he walked this earth, right? He would give natural principles, and he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And that's, the, to, think about this, this is only the first level of understanding, though. He said, if I've told you natural things, but you don't believe, how, you, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So it teaches us there's a progression of knowledge, The natural things only teaches you about the elementary things of God. The trouble is many believers are still stuck on the elementary things. So he can't go beyond that place with them. So, but uh, when I was, uh, my dad escaped from Cuba in 1969. And when he came to this country, uh, he he, uh, escaped to Guantanamo Bay and then they were able to let him in. It was back then when you could uh, go to Guantanamo Bay and they would give you entrance into the United States. Just as a side note, nobody is trying to escape into Cuba for their free health care or their education. <laughs> a certain organization that's gotten quite popular these days, I won't mention it, but it starts with a B. The founder said that uh, Cuba is a model for how uh, a just society looks. This is how perverse this philosophy is. It's not, I'm not making this up. You, you think you would make it up, but anyway. <laughs> but he sent me an email about six years ago, and he didn't tell me. He, was, it, he grew up with his cousins and different things uh, on this farm, and uh, 
he didn't have to tell me which one was him because he was about three or four years old and immediately when I saw the picture, I go, that's my dad. So I am not God, but if I am operating as God intends me to operate, I am the closest thing to God in the flesh on the earth. Amen. So I'm not a little God. So everything that God requires of humanity, he first gives it as a gift. John said, a man can receive nothing unless what? It has first been given to him by God. Romans 11, in him, through him, to him. And the, the question is, it's like this rhetorical question, who has repaid of the Lord? It's a really good kingdom. Anytime I struggle with something he's asking me to do, I, I, I'm getting more and more delivered of that. You know, I think the God who is I am, eternally existing, he knows like everything, beyond everything. He's like beyond genius level. It's talking to the guy who doesn't know anything. <laughs> and this will really help you, it'll really free you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, to put it in New Jersey Abner language, stupid person is talking to the most intelligent person. <laughs> and, and, and he wants to deliver you of all stupidity. So faith, along that lines, faith is God's gift to humanity to act like God. Faith is God's gift to humanity to act like God. Why is that? Because God himself operates in faith. Look at uh, Mark the 11th chapter. Well, let's look at Ephesians 5 and then Mark the 11th chapter. Ephesians 5 chapter 1. Therefore... Be imitators of God as dear children. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. I want to suggest to you that God can never require you of, of something to you that he has not given you the power to do. That's the other side of what I just said. God can never require of humanity uh, to ask you to do something unless the power has been given to you. And I also want to suggest to you that when Paul is writing in his Gospels, he is not making a suggestion, he is giving a command. So he's saying, be imitators. There's not an option here. Now look at Mark, the 11th chapter. We'll start in verse 12. I wasn't going to read it, but I feel it. Now the next day, when they had gone out from Bethany, he was hungry. Notice the humanity of Jesus. There are some things in the life of Jesus where he's fully God, fully man, but he models something that are discipleship goals, and you also notice his humanity. And seeing from afar a fig tree from leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not seasoned for the figs. In response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now we know this from Jesus. He is exactly like Adam was in the fact that he is fully God, fully man, but he chooses to live as a man. Yeah. Chooses to live as a man, and then he makes statements like this. No one takes my life from me. You've got to realize the devil did not take out Jesus. He's so crazy, he thinks like he's killing Jesus, he's going to end God's plan for the earth. So what does that tell us? He's got a free choice. No one takes my life from me. And then he goes, I only do. So what does that tell us? He's got a free choice, but he's choosing to die. Now, if you ever think about the beauty of Jesus, like you can't forgive your uncle. And he's like, 
He, he is coming into the world that he created. And he's becoming a created one. And his death has no benefit to him. Think about that. Jesus' death does not benefit him. To, to believe that would mean to believe that God needs something outside of himself. People are like, he needed a family. No, he didn't need anything. If he needed something, he wouldn't be God. God, need, God doesn't need anything out of himself. Like, we're very narcissistic in America. God needs us. No, no. Now, he's chosen, he's chosen to make you his representative, but he didn't need you. I only do what I see my father do in heaven, and I'm freely giving up my life. He is modeling something for us that Paul would later write about. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. My food is to do the will of the Father. He's got this mindset that he's never, ever going to entertain anything except that which the Father is leading him to do. So we have this mindset. He sees this tree. So he, he, he is seeing... He is seeing something or hearing something, and this is also a principle in the kingdom of God. Everything you in this world, everything you see is defined by something you cannot see. Your world is being defined by your belief system. You are either attracting angels, Holy Spirit intervention, the power of God to become everything you've been created to be, or you're attracting demons ugly people, and sometimes they come in form of people. You're actually stewarding. No, no, I'm serious. You, you, like if, listen, if you carry rejection around with you, whether you even verbalize it, you will attract rejected people towards you. And it will cause that cycle to continue in your life because here is what is determining what is out there. And so Jesus sees this tree and he goes, I got to speak to that tree. He speaks to that tree and his trust in the Father, is released through words, his faith causes that tree to become exactly what God intended it to become, and he is modeling for us how we are supposed to live. Now, finish the rest of the story. There's a little minor story about Jesus overturning the temple. It's very minor. He was a little upset about something. Verse 20. Now, notice when he spoke to it, he didn't, he didn't like, oh, I wonder if it's working. He assumed it would work because he spoke the words that God told him to his father and he spoke words in line with what the father said. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and Peter remembering said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Then he gives a starting revelation to me about God. And Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Now the Bible in basic English Uh, says this, have the faith of God. Have God's faith. So Jesus turns this situation, he turns this, this scenario of him speaking to a tree. He spoke to something and what he spoke to that tree became exactly what he told that tree to become. Very, very important principle about faith. God always believed always believes everything he says. He wants you to believe everything that comes out of your mouth. 
Now, here's another side of this that is really, really, really important. I enjoy joking around. I enjoy jokes and things like this. But the unseen realm doesn't know if you're joking. So this is why we have to be very, very important. Be careful. Oh, I'm losing my mind. And they're going, ooh, we'll take that. (laughs) Holy Spirit is looking for people to fail. Demons are looking for people to fail. People are like, ain't no demons around me. Well, if you're speaking in alignment with them, they have legal right to hang out and live in your house. So he says, have God's faith. So he makes a statement that we can have God's faith. He wouldn't tell us you can have God's faith unless you could have God's faith. Now, faith is a gift given to you. Faith is a gift given to you when you respond and say yes to the Lord. It is God's gift to you. Let's look at Romans 12 chapter. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In Ephesians 2, you also notice Paul emphasizes one of uh, many themes in apostolic teaching. He emphasizes that the that the that the, that faith is this gift from God. For by grace you've been saved. What through faith? What not of yourselves? It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he says, this is a gift I'm giving to you, and this is a gift I myself operate him. Where do we see God operating faith? I'm glad you asked, Pastor Dave. Look at um, Genesis chapter 1 now. When time began, excuse me, he created the heavens and the earth. Notice that both heaven and earth are created places. The earth was without form and void. You also notice too, how many realize that God is a spirit and he doesn't need a place to live? But he creates a a space called heaven and according to the book of Psalms, he sets up his throne in heaven. So God is headquartered in heaven, but he comes to earth through the lives of his ambassadors. Think about that. And the earth was without form, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good. Now notice what's happening here. The Godhead is three distinct persons. What are we? Three distinct persons. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in the body. All of those three work in synergy with each other. Notice I said spirit first. Most, a lot of times when people say this, they talk about we have a soul because they're more in tune with their soul than they are with their spirit. Here's the good news about your spirit. Your spirit is 100% perfect and it's exactly like Jesus' spirit. So God is three distinct persons, one God. When I, I, was, I, I grew up around the body of Christ, you go to vacation Bible school, kids crusade, they were trying to explain to you, none of those are sufficient for me. Because it's a mystery. It cannot be understood with the mind. This is also really important. Because your mind, your intellect, it's not unimportant. It just was not created to lead you. 
So also we have to take out, we have to take out this language. We have to take out this language. This is unbelievable. No, it's very believable. This is so crazy. God is so crazy. No, 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 no. It's right. You've been living so dysfunctionally. You think dysfunction is normal. Come on. So we've got to reapproach our language here. But God is three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are in perfect synergy with each other. The Old Testament describes God as having a heart and a mind. So you'll notice that the Holy Spirit is there. God has an idea of what he wants the earth to be. The Holy Spirit is there, but until words are spoken, until words are spoken, what he desires is not created. So he goes, man, I want light to be in the earth. Where does the light come from? The light came from God himself. So he's got these three distinct parts operating a complete synergy with each other. The heart and mind goes, I want to create this earth. And when he wants to create this earth, the Trinity works in unison to create what he desires. Notice he spoke and he saw. I believe he already saw it before he spoke it, but words gave expression to the reality that he desired. What are we? Three-part beings with this gift called faith that is actually a portion of the power of God that he operates in himself. And what have we been given? We have been given the privilege of this. Let's look at Peter here. Thank you, Lord. I'm trying to cover a lot of ground real quick. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given to us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given all things that pertain to life and godliness, that through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we've been given exceedingly great and precious promise, that through these you may be, what, be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption. Notice he says, it's only through the divine nature that you get to participate and not you can be in this world, but you don't have to be of this world. You can be in the middle of, quote unquote, a global pandemic in the United States, but you don't have to participate in the craziness of it. <laughs> Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So now you've been invited to this place. You've been invited actually into, Paul would later put language to it, that you, or before that, he put, said we are seated in heavenly places. Now what is one of the characteristics of the God kind of faith? The God kind of faith calls things, according to Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 17, when he's speaking about Abraham, but it's also speaking about how God's faith operates. It calls things, be not as though they are. So God sees a situation. He goes, that is not in line with the will of God. I don't want the earth without form and order, but I want it in order. I want to release light that comes from the inside of me. And now I will speak words that will cause things to be not as though they are, because when I speak it, it will be. So what have we been given? We sit in this place. He gives us faith as a gift. Now our faith is not in ourselves, but our faith is in God. And he gives us words that we can speak that when we see, because we think from here, 
Your heart is supposed to have eyes. Because that's the other thing that the gift of faith does. Really, 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 really important. Listen to me, Linda. (laughs) Faith is God's gift to you to no longer be governed by the five senses. Your heart has eyes. So that when God speaks... Or when God gives you understanding. We know we have the word. The word is what? Incorruptible seed. It is the seed of God from a different world. That when it goes in our hearts and we go, God, I trust you. And we begin to declare it. It begins to call things, be not as though they are. And notice, even in Jesus' perfect faith, they didn't change overnight. But his trust in God was convinced that God would come through for him no matter what. He was not double-minded and said, well, I don't think it's working. Here's the thing. Even if this is the good thing about this is the good thing about even situations like Roy is in. Well, you know, a lot of people die on the table when they're in there. I'm gonna trust God that He's gonna bring me out. I trust that God has you're like, what if it doesn't work? Then I transition to be with him, but I still win. But I'm gonna stand on the word of God no matter what God has said. I'm not gonna what what, what about this? What about this? No, what about what God said? So faith is God's gift to humanity to no longer be governed by the five senses. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, by faith we understand. Notice it doesn't say we understand and have faith. A lot of people, I just don't understand, I don't understand how the tithing thing, you know, like get all excited about giving, I'm broke, you know, I don't understand what's going on here, and you know, does the church want our money, and you know, all this stuff, and just, you know, I got to take care of myself, because, you know, it's just really hard out there. <laughs> you can only understand that through the eyes of faith, because it is a spiritual act that cannot be understood with your mind. What you have to recognize, well, I just, you know, it just doesn't seem right. Well, it doesn't seem right because the enemy has so educated us to move by where we see, feel, or think and not having enough. And so the development process is we have to get delivered of what, how this thinking works in this world to understand how God wants to teach us. But a lot of people want to understand before they have faith. And faith is what causes you to understand. Yes, Lord, I trust you. And then he, well, we'll get in a minute. So it's by faith you understand. And that the worlds were framed by the word of God. We'll touch on that in a minute. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. This is so important in this time. And one of the reasons I felt like the Lord told me to touch this, 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 at least in this first service, is this. Is that uh, when this kind of shut down started. I know it's supposed to go to Ohio that weekend and, you know, they are going to have to postpone, you know, two weeks to, to cancel the curve. It's been a little longer than two weeks. <laughs> and I think the curve's been broken, you know. 
That's why you probably got to realize it's not about COVID anymore. <laughs> I'm not saying COVID doesn't exist. I'm not one of those crazy people, you know, like COVID is very real. It's just not as real as they want to tell you it is. <laughs> There's a lot of other factors at work, you know. But the Lord told me, he said, your, he, first of all, he said, this doesn't change what I'm doing in the earth. Then he said, revelation is your currency in this season. What has God said? Review the written record. What has he said to you? And this is just me personally. I just been, I prayed it that morning. I've been praying and I had to kind of readjust even a little this week. I said, Lord, I, I, I'm not interested in surviving this season. I'm not interested in our ministry, just surviving. I want to thrive in this season. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about me, you know, if it comes that way, but I'm not waiting for a government check. I'm not waiting on a PPP loan. The Lord is my source. I will Amen. overcome. Yeah. I will trust the Lord no matter what. Amen. So that the things which you're saying are not made of things which are visible. What, is, what did Paul later teach? He said, he said, we look not to the things that are seen because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which cannot be seen are eternal. So one of the functions of being a disciple is right now, what's happening right now in this world, the ability to see correctly. John chapter three, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he said, don't worry, I'm going away. I'm like, no, 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 you should stick around. You know? I, that's how I would be. You know, like, Please stay, it's really good when you're around. And any problem, any mistake, you got it handled. You know? <laughs> He's like, no, it's actually to your advantage I go away because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then he says, makes this an interesting statement. He said, the world can neither see him or know him. So he's telling you the advantage that we have in this world is the ability to see the world through God's perspective. Can neither see him or know him. How are you seeing right now? Here's another part of God's faith. Words are necessary for faith to operate. Releasing faith-filled words releases God into your world. We'll look at that in a minute. Think about it. When God, he speaks and then he saw. Where did light come from? Came from the inside of him. And he created things to function in a certain way, right? He, he creates plants. What do plants need? They need, uh, for the most part, dirt to function. Fish or different types of seafood, they go in water. If you take them out of water, what happens? They die. They're created to function a certain way. Here's something really interesting. God speaks to himself when he makes us. And then what does he tell us? He goes, to be outside of me is death. So the greatest place you can ever be is in constant trust in God. Words cannot operate outside of God. Excuse me, faith cannot, let me say this again, faith cannot 
operate out. Words and faith must work together. Let me say it like that. Words and faith must operate together. But when you release words, you actually release, when you release the right words, the word of God, the rhema word that God has spoken to, words about a specific situation, you are actually releasing God himself into your atmosphere. Look at John chapter 1. You still here? I'm I'm running out of time, but I, I got two more services. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. What was the Word? The Word was Jesus. He was the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Look at verse 2. All things were created through him. So what's happening when God speaks and he's putting the world into order? It's actually God himself in the form of words going into the atmosphere and creating the atmosphere to become everything he saw on the inside of him. When you trust God, when you say, I'm standing on your word, and you speak words of Lord, thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you that I'm blessed. Lord, thank you that the blessing that you gave on to Adam to prosper, to multiply, to be on him, the one that came on Abram, and then you called him Abraham, and then one chapter later, he became very wealthy. Lord, thank you, according to Galatians chapter 3, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon me. Thank you, Lord, that that's coming upon me. Lord, I just thank you, Lord. And you know what? It's not convincing God. What's happening is you get the process of delivering yourself. <laughs> but it's also releasing God into your atmosphere. Because, but here's what the enemy loves to do to people when they start walking. You guys start walking somewhere, right? You, when they start walking by faith, the first thing you'll hear, like, is anything can't even go in that redemption house like two years now? Yeah, no, you're blessed and highly faithful. What's happening? You know, it tries to define you by your present circumstance. It's not working. You know, you're just not, it, you know, it, I don't know how old you are when you came into the kingdom. You've been 20 years dysfunctional, but you want God to work like Burger King. (laughs) But here's the important part. The moment you say yes, whether you can see it or not, God is already moving on your behalf. God is moving in that unseen realm. God is causing favor. And just because you have the favor of God doesn't mean you won't have anything difficult. It just means that you're going to have favor to overcome it. So releasing faith-filled words releases God into your world. Look at uh, Mark 5. We could use many different scenarios in the Gospels, but this is a, a really important one. Verse 21, when Jesus crossed over by the boat, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, And he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. 
excuse me. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman who had a flow, now we could look at a bunch of different, there's different scenarios in other Gospels, but we're looking at this one. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and he suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him and touched his garment. For she said, other translations say, for she kept saying, for she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Look at verse 24, really important. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So that means there's a lot of people around Jesus, multitude. And they are all touching Jesus. Fascinating stuff. I want to suggest to you that I, I've been around people and even people like, you know, might look really like okay on the outside or they, you know, whatever it is. It looks, but people got issues. Not you, the person next to you. And the people, and the, and the, the people that deny their issues, they're, you know, they're, they're probably the worst off of getting delivered because they can never admit they have an issue. <laughs> Do you know one of the worst forms of religious pride and religious spirit is the inability to admit that you have a trauma? Like people actually use God to keep their dysfunction. I'm fine. Fine. No, you're not fine. <laughs> we all know you're not fine. <laughs> but the other side about that, it, and this is where the, the humility comes in. You can have great fruit in a certain area, but be totally dysfunctional, demonically inspired in another area. Wow. That's why you got to stay like a child. Wow. So there's people around him. And I want to suggest to you, probably some of them had, a, had needs that they needed met. It's only, though, the touch of faith that receives what was needed. She kept saying. So how does faith grow? One of the reasons why faith... Uh, he, well, jumping ahead of myself, but I'm out of time. <laughs> World overcoming faith is on the inside of you, but it must be developed. Amen. It doesn't just happen overnight. I have news for you. I have the body of Mr. America. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I have the same arms. I have the same legs. I have the same head. What's happened? He's chosen to develop his body in a place, in places that I'm not interested in, or in any way. You get to choose the level that your faith will develop in. And we all have different spheres and things that God will call us to. But she got what she said. She said, if I touch his garment. Now notice the other side of that story. Eventually, you know, he stops. Some translations said this like lady went into this long discourse. Jairus' daughter dies. But Jesus had already said, I'm going to do it. So death itself could not stop what Jesus had agreed to do. Faith is so powerful that Jesus doesn't lie. But it's so powerful that they're at a wedding, and this is also really important because this also shows us that faith 
can be expressed in every area of our life. He's not like, like, like some people think like faith, big stuff. I got the little stuff. No, he wants you to have faith for all the stuff. They're out of way, like if you think about like world issues, there's probably people dying. There's probably nations that need to be changed. And he's at a wedding. It's fascinating to me. And, it, you know, they've run out of the good wine. So it means Jesus was definitely Episcopal, at least Roman Catholic or something. <laughs> something like that. I don't drink, by the way. I, mean, I don't want anything in hell. Anyway, so. But he says, we've run out of good wine. He said, it's not my time yet. I want to suggest to you that Jesus was not being cruel or mean. It's not like he's going, I, like, I'm just saying this because I'm just having fun with you. No, that's weird Christians who don't believe what they say. <laughs> Got quiet that one. You know, one of the measures, here's one of the measures I judge, I, I, I observe things. One of the measures by which I come to see if people really trust the word of God is if they are a, word, a, a person of their word. So she's, we're out of good wine. He's not my time yet. And then she goes, do whatever he says. Okay, fill the six water pots. Faith was so powerful. She had this thing that she's been carrying in her heart for years. She's like, I've carried the stigma of showing up in the synagogue and everyone thinks I'm an immoral woman. You, God, he's a miracle worker. Switch the scenario. Now catch other places in the gospel where faith is so powerful. Jesus, he says, I've come to the Jew first. He did not come to Gentiles. But these two Gentile men come up to him. Lady, she wants a healing. And he's like almost playing with her. He's calling like, like ah, you know. And he, but the, the, the centurion soldier, faith was so powerful that he honored the faith of what they said. When he sends his disciples out, what does he send them? He says, don't go. He's, I'm sending you to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't send them to the Gentiles. The message was to the Jew first. But faith was so powerful, he honored the faith of Gentiles to receive what they needed, even though they were not included at that point in the covenant promise. Gets quiet with that one. The world overcoming faith has been given to you. I'll land this because I'm in overtime here. First John 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith and God's faith within us. Our faith and God's faith within us. Our faith and God's faith within us. Every obstacle, every difficulty, every difficulty that the United States is facing right now can be accessed through world overcoming faith on the inside of you. It's not something you work up though. It's not something you got to make up, but it's already there but it's got to be nurtured. It's got to be cooperated with. It's probably got to stop watching CNN. It's probably definitely got to watch, stop watching MSLSD or whatever they call themselves these days. You know, like, I'm serious. Because like, like, it's, 
It's delusional, you know, it's delusional broadcasting network, you know. I'm just helping you. Be like, are you making political statements? No, I'm making you truth statements. So how is faith developed? Number one, the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Number two, in the develop... Oh, let me just say this. So I didn't have time to develop, but this is really important. Faith works in synergy with the fruits of the Spirit and our God-given identity. Faith, right, works through love, but also works in choosing the fruits of the Spirit. And here's what I, I know. God is incredibly practical, like beyond practical. Like you're at Redemption House. You're like, Lord, I want to love you forever. I love you forever. And you're thinking like, I'm going to Africa. And he's going, send him Janet at his job. <laughs> right next to him. That, that raise he's been believing for, it's going to get him moved to Janet in that cubicle. And Janet hates believers. And part of what she's going to help you do is get you delivered to that religious spirit. Because <laughs> you show up to her, hey, Janet, how are you? You're like, I'm blessed and highly favored. She goes, I hate you. <laughs> you have to use a little different approach with Janet there. <laughs> you're like, she hates me because I'm a believer. No, because that's weird when you're meeting an unbeliever. That means nothing to an unbeliever. <laughs> Got to think about these things, you know. We have these things. It's fine to use in the house of God, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, blessed are the Lord. Like, what? It's, it's language. It doesn't mean anything to them. So it works. But, but here's the thing. The, the point about practicality. You can't get in a prayer line to receive that. You have to choose that and practice it. Love, but you're like, like you can't get you can't get patience by impartation. <laughs> I wish I could, you know. You can't get self-control by impartation. You can get delivered that will help you be self-controlled. Here's another one: deliverance from past trauma. When you're walking by faith, or when you're learning to walk by faith and agree with God, it, it, this is this is what happens. You're walking with God. You're like, I'm the blessed of the Lord. And you're like, how come there's this little place in my heart that goes, eh, I don't really, something a little off there. Or God just spoke to me something incredible, and I just feel incredibly unworthy to receive it. God will speak things to you because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So he will speak things to you to cause trauma, pain, and things to come to the surface that he gives you an opportunity to deal with in that moment. Want a classic picture of this? Exodus, the third chapter. He's on the backside of a desert. He thinks he's going to be stuck being a small group leader the rest of his life. No, I'm, I'm serious. And God goes, like, he's like, he's good. He's like good doing what he's doing. And God speaks to him. He goes, I'm the God who hears, and I'm the God who delivers, and I'm the God who keeps covenant. And I've heard the cries of my people, and you're my spokesperson for deliverance. And what does he do? He goes, who am I? Exchange, right there. All his insecurity, 
abandonment came up because he was a member of royalty. He gave that up. Who am I? I can't even speak. No, fool, you're going to do it. You know, it's like God. But it's an opportunity. And that's what I mean about just like this religion. Hey, well, I'll just, you know, I'm going to go do it. You can go do it, but there'll always be a place that God wants to adjust and bring healing in your heart to cause you to steward that moment he's bringing into you correctly. Because why is it so important? Because, again, when there are places in your heart that are not correctly adjusted, you're actually projecting it to the world around you. There are really powerful men and women of God, but because they carry certain things on them, they will see miracles, they'll see breakthroughs, they'll see prophecy, they lead large ministries, but no one wants to come close to them because they're afraid of them because there's some sort of anger thing that hasn't been resolved quite yet. So use these opportunities when we're speaking, when we're coming into alignment with the will of God, and when we're, use it as an opportunity to have Jesus as your example, right? The evil one has nothing in me. And here's what, what a lot of people don't like, though. They think it's something wrong with them. It's actually God trying to deliver them. Like, here's a common one. Like, like if common one for women inside the church. I'm just going to say it. I, I, I'm, I'm not here very long. So <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you if you have been influenced of a Jezebel spirit. Maybe you've taken on a spirit of a Jezebel because you've had to control certain things in your life, and you're anointed and you're powerful, but it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means there's an opportunity to bring you freedom and deliverance from that area of your life. See, sometimes people reject the trauma in their life. They want to, because they're like, oh, something's wrong. I can't admit that. I, you know, I've been born again for 20 years. I can't admit that. No, no, you need to admit that. If you're, anyway, I'll leave it there. I mean, actually, I'm not going to leave it there because it needs to be said. Look for the things in your life that for years, maybe you've like gone like, why, why do I always have to do that? Why do I always have to, can't leave the house until every salt and, and adobo thing is properly organized? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying these, these are practical things that point to areas and, some, and sometimes no listen sometimes even as people who love God with all our heart we just, we just dismiss this is just how, I, this is how my mom raised me God wants to raise you a different way I trust God, but I'm freaking out about COVID. Well, ask God, why are you freaking out about COVID? I'm a very type A. I like things organized. I like things. And when I get unsettled by something, remember years ago, he told me this. I was like, this is bothering me. I don't like things unorganized in my office. He goes, you just think you have to control everything. Because when you're a little kid, you felt abandoned in this moment. 
So now you're, something came inside of here where you think you need, to, you need to control everything from that moment forward. Why do I make $150,000 a year and still live like, like, like I make $30,000 a year? I'm afraid of not having enough. And we can dismiss it with these religious, well, I just trust God. No, you really know if you're trusting God. Amen. This is not a shame or blame thing, but it's an opportunity to go, Lord, what needs to be adjusted there? Risk, you've got to take risks if you're going to walk a life of faith. In the kingdom, you cannot learn without doing. It's just, just an idea to you, you know? And then finally, our testimonies. You receive this word? If you would, just, just, just lift your hands if you would. Father, today, Lord, I thank you that you've given me the privilege of speaking to people who love you with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind. By the authority you've given me, I just, I've done my best to deliver what you've asked me to deliver this session. Lord, I release your power, your goodness, and all who you are upon your people to live, to, there's like angels just adjusting, healing hearts, healing. Lord, I thank you for healing somebody's back. I thank you for healing somebody's neck. I thank you for healing power just flowing. And the Lord would say that this will be a season that Redemption House Life Center flourishes as never before. For the Lord says, you've been put on the earth for this specific time, for this specific region, and for a very specific purpose. You'll be a lighthouse in the middle of difficult and challenging times. You'll be a house of feeding, both physically and spiritually. You'll be a house that welcomes all, and you'll be a house of all nations. The harvest is about to come. They'll come from the north, the south, the east, and the west to sit at the table of the Lord of what God is doing. Because I have found this place, a place where my soul delights, and I'm going to open the heavens as never before. So we thank you, God, for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You just look this way real quick. The only thing I'm going to tell you is do what the Lord tells you today in this offering. I'm going to bring Pastor Dave up. I'm sorry, I went a little over, but there's a theme. I was in Las Vegas last weekend. It just kept coming to me over and over, and it wasn't even during an offering. It says, never, ever stop sowing. Never, ever stop sowing. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest time. I'm telling you, don't be religious. Don't let any propaganda. Uh, you can trust. If you've been a faithful, I've been, I was saying it this morning, God, I'm a faithful sower, so I expect the return on everything I've given. I've done what you've asked me to do, and there will be a harvest to what I'm doing. So never stop sowing.